welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. We are coming to you after Shrewsbury came to Anfield. They scored a goal and made everybody go, oh my God, there's going to be a cup upset. And then Liverpool won 4 1. So that was nice because really couldn't be bothered with any more drama. Um, we discussed that and the upcoming cup tie with Arsenal and beyond. I have. Andy Bell in Liverpool. I've got Neil Patterson in Donegal. And I have, conversely, Johnny Henderson in Belfast. Johnny, it was it was a very it was a very half and half team that was put out there. And I'm gonna be honest, I like these games and I like these sides that are put out when you get when you get a proper look at the likes of your your Gordons and your Mortons and your your Bradleys, maybe not so much Dixon Bonners, because I, I get have in my head that he's like about 25, and what he's still doing playing the under-23s, I don't know. Um, but uh, after a rotten start, um, the young lads, and those three in particular, really looked like they felt comfortable in that environment, not just in the stadium, not just in a serious competition but also with the players that were play- not necessarily the players they came with or players play- Jesus Christ Dave edit that, edit that out um, <laughs> not not just with the players that they were playing against but with the, the players they were playing with um, and they settled in nicely enough after the really really good first goal which two of the youngsters combined for um, we just took control and, and it became kind of routine for us yeah, I enjoy these games. It felt strange, by the way, to be introduced as like not the person from Donegal, whereas you know, young 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 Patterson there in Donegal, I felt strange. He's a Belfast one. Yeah, um, it, it was. I, I like it too because I, I like it too. I like both aspects of it. I actually like seeing how the the you know really world class senior players that were probably playing that game because we're we're just short. Like Van Dyke, you, you wouldn't ever expect to see Van Dyke or Robbo or you know Fabinho in in that type of game. And I, I like seeing as well how they reacted. But but you're right, Dave. I mean, I think they came out with credit. Um, I think there was a spell early in the first half where they were sort of the left wing back was giving Bradley a wee bit of bother. But but it was a good experience for him. He came through that and he he turned out having a real influence going going forward. Um, I've seen someone say that Gordon's goal, the equaliser, was Torres-esque. And if you watch it, it actually sort of was. Just the way he took his wee touch and swiveled, and even the way he struck it and into the net, is that, that sort of nonchalant Torres-esque finish. But, yeah, I, I think, listen, understandably, there were times when I think we had a lot of the ball, and we had a lot of the ball 40. It seemed to me like we had a lot of the ball sort of 40 yards out, and um, just that wee bit of creativity and quality in the final third, maybe to get through was lacking. And I think we went back and recycled possession a lot. But you know what? It was fine. Um, I, I thought they did well. I thought they, they they handled the occasion well. It's probably character building as well. The fact that um, we did go a goal down and there was, there was a wee bit of jeopardy in the in the tie at that point, um, which meant they had to sort of step up and. Uh, and I mean, in fairness, it, it's a very good platform, though, for 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 those guys. So, you know, if you if you, if you think you, you know for the likes of Bradley and Dixon Bonner and Morton, you know, Voltman, Kai Gordon, it, the spine, you know, having a spine there of Virgil and Conate and Fabinho, that that helped a lot. You know, just having that real world class sort of strong, experienced players. And there, and Rabo obviously as well at, at fullback, and no Curtis was in there as well. So, yeah, it was it was a bit of a mishmash of a team. It was sort of strange to see a team like that. Normally, when you see kids like that, you wouldn't expect to see some of the real stellar big names. But yeah, they they I thought they acquitted themselves acquitted themselves well, and, and and Gordon and Bradley do certainly look like they've got um big futures, and and Morton was tidy as well. Yeah, Andy, I'll come to you on, on Bradley because you'll you have a bit more of an insight. Um, he looks very much like a 17-year-old. You know, you can see that he, he still hasn't filled out yet. Um, 
and no matter how often he goes to the gym, it's gonna take him a year or two to get to the point where he can even develop like actual like an like an actual adult body. But there's an energy and a bit of a Robertson-like determination about him. And we saw that for the the, the Firmino goal when he somehow gets to the byline um, and pulls it back for Canadi to kind of swipe it. But he has more to his game than just energy and, and pace because the goal that he sets up for Gordon, the first goal, it's, it's almost a Trent-esque pass just driven kind of directly into his feet rather than just kind of slinging a ball into the box and hoping for the best. He gets his head up, he picks him out, and he drills it right into him. And that's what actually creates the chance. And um, There's been talk about Nico Williams trying to look to get some more regular game time and, and some minutes under his belt, certainly with the, the World, Cup qualifier, World Cup qualifiers and the World Cup coming up. He wants to be a part of that. Um, so do you think that he could be a viable option at this stage of his career right back. And you know, you would hope that go on to have maybe not necessarily a Liverpool career with, with Trent there, but certainly give himself the best chance to do that. Because it looks like he has the talent. Yeah, and whether it comes from Nico Williams himself that he wants to move on, I think there were articles in the summer where I think it was in the Athletic where I don't think Klopp actually said it himself, but it was known that Jurgen Klopp was happy to let Nico Williams go for the right price to cash in on Nico Williams. And part of the reason for that was because it was it was down to Connor Bradley's development, basically, and what he was showing in training and what he showed in that preseason tour when they all went away together. And he was part of that. And I think he played uh, maybe the first or second game of that tour. So that's all massively encouraging. And, you know, you make a couple of comparisons there. Um, I think you see, you mentioned Trent uh, in terms of the, the positional ability and, and, and kind of where he was playing. And that's very much something I noticed in the first half. Um, as I was saying to you guys in the pre-pod, I was at the game and, you know, it was quite low down in the cops. So sometimes it's difficult to, to see the positional and tactical elements of the game when you're when you're down that low. You're just sort of involved and in the thick of it. But first half, I sort of thought, is this guy playing front three here? Because uh, he was sort of picking up those Mo Salah positions, cutting inside. Um, and it was, well, it ended up being Dixon Bonner in, in the end, who was pulling right the way out right, kind of the way we've seen Henderson done this season. Uh, and I actually thought Dixon Bonner had a very good game as well. Albeit, you're right, we're not overly excited about him because he's realistically not going to, well, he's too old now to develop into somebody who's who's probably going to be a you know a world class footballer, a regular first team player. But I thought he did really well and it was really important to us. Um, and then you mentioned Robertson there as well in terms of his energy. And I think somebody mentioned on I think it was in the Anfield Raps post match ratings. Um, he's got those kind of long legs and the tackling ability, not the tackling ability, but similarities to Stephen Gerrard in that way. You'll remember Dave in that. Uh, game where he came on for Northern Ireland against Switzerland and I think it was about 30 seconds in and I think was that his debut or certainly it was competitive it was his competitive debut it was certainly his competitive debut yeah nails your man he absolutely Absolutely murdered Rodriguez minced him him. he absolutely minced him into the north stand and you know that all got us massively up for it and he did really well that night and he's done really well for Northern Ireland he gets obviously the start in one of the World Cup qualifiers and was the bright spark of a, a really negative result that night Um. But in terms of your actual question uh, regarding can he step up and be the Nico Williams, I think you can see him step up and be what Nico Williams is right now. Because Nico Williams isn't Shamikas in the sense that if Robertson is injured, Shamikas comes in no matter what the game is, whether it's European Cup final, whether it's Shrewsbury at home. If Robertson's not playing, Shamikas is going to play there. Whereas, you know, Trent was injured for a couple of games this season. I think Man City at home, Milner comes in. And I think in the bigger games, Milner, you know, will come in to, to right back. Now, whether you know, he's happy to let Nico Williams go, given that he may be letting Milner go this season, who then becomes the right back that plays in the games that Conor Bradley isn't quite ready for. I'm not sure. Maybe that's Gomez, maybe that's somebody else. Uh, I know Fabinho can play there. But certainly he's he's developing at a at a hell of a rate of knots. You're right, he is still still things he can work on defensively, still things he can work on in terms of positioning. Um, you know, he gives away a penalty in that first Norwich game. Um, and the kid's going to make mistakes. He's hardly any senior football player. Uh, played or even you know for the under 23s he's a very inexperienced under 23s player never mind senior player but the signs are there and I think against Leicester he struggled a lot of them did there were too many young players who played but then once he got 15-20 minutes into that game on Saturday got himself comfortable took a few more risks we really saw the best of Connor Bradley and I was really impressed with him 
Yeah, absolutely. Another one who has been talked about, see, a lot um, is is Cade Gordon. Um, talked about his goal was calm, composed, skillful, um, and he very much looks like a boy as well. But there have been accusations labelled at Liverpool's academy and not necessarily producing at a rate that maybe some other clubs are. Um, but there's real talent there. And I don't know, with Salah being away, do you see him potentially as an option, given the performance and certainly the confidence that he showed in going to try and affect the game at the front end of the pitch? Or was that very much just a third-round FA Cup cameo against Shrewsbury for him? Um. Well, sort of a bit of both. I don't think it's necessarily a cameo in the sense that I think he'd probably feature uh, against Cardiff. Is it Cardiff in the next round that um, Andy mentioned beforehand? And it's a home yeah, Cardiff. Against them. Yeah. So I would imagine that he, you know, he's on the team sheet for that one. Um, do I think he's he's necessarily an option as a you know in the first team at the moment uh, in the absence of Manny and Salah? Probably not, you know. If as you know, as long as Bobby and and Jota stay fit, um, you know, I think we've got Divock there. I think we're probably covered. We've got Minamino there. Um, obviously, Oxley Chamberlain's played there the odd time to, to, well, to varying effect, but but not such great effect yet. But that's something they're they're trying to get going. Obviously, they've played him there a few times, so I. I he might make the bench. Do I think he'll make make a starting lineup? Certainly, certainly not. Probably in the in the in, in the league. Having said that, he looks he looks the part. I mean, you um, who was Johnny mentioned Torres there at the start um, that the goal's been sort of compared to, and I've heard it. I think it was on the Anfield rap. Neil Atkinson said Salah. It reminded me of Sturridge actually. Um, the wee take on on you know I think on his right and to knock it to his left and the you know cam wee curler into the into the bottom corner uh, on his left reminded me of Weaver stories just that that sort of composure in the box um, but I mean if if those three guys are getting mentioned uh, in terms of you know the finishing style uh, and he's what seventeen I mean it, it only bodes well. Um, he really did look the part. He looked dangerous. I mean, he has a shot uh, before he scores. I think when it's still nil-nil uh, from about twenty, about twenty yards outside the box. Anyway, a couple of yards outside the box, and he sort of pulls it down to the the keeper's near post. And um, keeper does well to get down and, and, and put it around the post. Actually, he scuffs it slightly, but it's a it's a classy effort. You can see what he's going for and he just takes the touch out of his feet and hits it and it was the same with the goal. It's a great wee pick out from Bradley, I think, as you mentioned earlier. Um, you know, it's across the, across the ground, picks him out, uh, you know, good cut back and he takes it with the one foot, lovely first touch and knocks it in with the other foot. And it's it's a really classy goal and it's a, it's a big goal because... You know we are behind, and as much as we're the the the, the favourites, the, the overwhelming favourites, and everything should be in our favour. We we hadn't started that well, despite having a lot of the ball. We'd looked pretty blunt going forward, um, aside from from Gordon's snapshot um, from twenty yards, and we had just conceded in in a way that. We've seen other Liverpool sides in the past, clearly not this one, although, you know, notwithstanding the the six games last season. Um we've seen other Liverpool sides crumble, uh, or not be not be able to get back into 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 games like that. So it was massive and it came pretty pretty hot in the heels of uh of their opener. So it was really important. We kicked on from there and it gave us confidence. So it was a great game for him. It's a lovely goal, and I'm sure we'll see him uh, in and around, sniffing about the squad, and, and I'm sure, as I said, he's he'll, he'll starting in the next round. Yeah, Johnny, so the next round, um, in fact, before we get to the next round, no, let's just go to the next round, because I can talk about the good players playing well, I can talk about Kanate maybe being a bit suspect, um, defending his near post for the goal, 
can't even remember it. Firmino gets on and gets back in. That's all lovely and great. That's fantastic. But we're through. We're in the hat. We've got pulled out of the hat or whatever they pulled it out of now. Some kind of weird giant kind of globe that you would expect to open up and see a bunch of alcohol in. Um, and it's the Death Star. Yeah, it's, a bit, it's a bit like the Death Star, unless you're Manchester City. Um, so, yeah, it's... Talked about this beforehand. I always, for me, growing up, it always used to be an event watching watching the FA Cup draws, particularly the third round. Fourth, four and five were not so much, but then you get into the sixth round, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and it's kind of exciting. But at this stage of the game, it never really bothered me who we got. I just wanted a home draw, and that's two home draws in a row. And Cardiff. I think they're on a little bit of a resurgence at the moment, but they're a championship side and very much a championship side. And I think the draws that you get in a competition, as we've seen with Manchester City over the last few years, can really inform you how seriously you want to take them. And we've seen that ourselves with the League Cup. We've somehow kind of found ourselves randomly in in the semi-final. And you know, you get through this and you get through the next one and you can randomly find yourself without really knowing what's happened in the sixth round. And all of a sudden, there's maybe a cup double or even a cup treble in the cards. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, absolutely. I think we all sort of, you know, Klopp has made no secret of the fact that he has seen the cups as opportunities to give fringe players their game. You know, and, and give young players their 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 game, um, and he's you know regardless. Uh, I'd heard we haven't got past January or something in the FA Cup for for uh, maybe we've done it maybe once I think in, in about five years I think I heard something crazy like that. Um, so, but you know when you've looked at the at the teams we've gone out to, there's been a couple of them draws too that you know I remember a way to. Um, Chelsea away to Wolves in recent years, and you do, and you know, you look. We we all remember that sort of ongoing joke about cities kind draws, ridiculous, you know, Burton Albion and semi-finals and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. Um, I think we'd all collectively have said that we wouldn't have given a fiddler's back really about these cups, but after what happened, you know, in, in that very sort of debilitating week or two over Christmas where we suddenly find ourselves needing snookers really to get back into the, the title race, which I don't think any of us saw coming mid-December. It just sort of, you know, a couple of draws and next thing you know, and you know, the Leicester game. Um, so the Cups, I don't know. I don't know what the mindset will be within the club. I, I would like to think, even though the financial rewards, you know, probably don't appeal to FSG, in terms of the League Cup and FA Cup, the prize money and stuff is pretty minuscule compared to making sure you're in the Champions League. But yeah, I'd like to think that there's maybe a bit of a renewed focus now, given where we're at. That, as you say, Dave, you know, you get Cardiff for 20th. I was looking at their position on the table. I mean, they're right, right down there. I think they've got 23 points from 24 games or something like that, minus 17 goal difference. So, they're really struggling. Yeah, they so. had a bit of a new manager. They had a bit of a new manager bounce, I think. But again, they're, they're not a good side. No, absolutely. You know, their team. We, you know, we should be really expecting to be into the fifth round, and we've got two games coming up against Arsenal for a run out at Wembley. Probably it looks like against Chelsea, which would be, you know, which would be a big game. And we, you know, I, I think one of the things, you know, we all acknowledge Klopp's been. An amazing thing for Liverpool. He's had us competing at a level that really we we probably have no right to when when you look at what we're up against and what we're spending. So, um, a couple of of pots, some silverware this season. We can't win the league. Uh, you know, going for those three cups would be, you know, we we'd all be certainly very excited by it as supporters. I mean, the 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 older ones of us, Mister Bell, probably wouldn't remember it, but. You know, the Cup Travel 2001, that was an amazing season. I always remember that. That season, it was just, it was epic. You know, there was something riding 
on games, you know, right through to the, you know, the last, you know, the, the, the last couple of weeks of the season. It was just finals and um, so, something like that would be really good. So, yeah, let's hope we get a little bit of luck um, with the draws and, uh, and, and who knows. But I, I think you might see a more serious approach from Liverpool, just given what's happened with, uh, with the league um, in the last few weeks. Yeah, that's that's it, Andy. Um, obviously, you're from, from a bit of a different generation, a bit of a different generation from from the three of us. Um, I have great memories of, of the FA Cup and horrendous memories of the FA Cup. Um, I know I've seen us lose Champions League finals and, and things like that, but um, come close to league titles. With, with, you know, you've got the Chelsea game in thirteen fourteen, um, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But like one of my worst ever memories is is the Cantona um, winner in the FA Cup in, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, it's 96, isn't it? 96. Yeah, Fucking 96. what a horrible game that was. Like. Yeah, in which we were a better with the, with the white suits. The white the suits. White suits. Oh, and, white and the suits. white shirts and the cream shirts. when we play the final in, in the cream shirts as well? It was yeah. just... And it was, it was a terrible game of football and Ferguson absolutely... Did one on a Saturday. Absolutely. They just parked yeah. the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and for the free scores, how we were, uh, we, we didn't score a goal, didn't even look like scoring a goal. But the point is, Andy, that I have I have memories of a prestigious FA Cup, um, a competition that you always wanted to be at the sharp end of. Um, it was a big deal. And I still kind of harbour those feelings towards the competition. And I'm just wondering from... You know, a, a generation kind of born in and around the turn of the century. What your opinion of the competition is, and given where we are now, where does it lie in your priorities? Yeah, <clears throat> it's an interesting question. I, I think I sort of grew up in my early years. I mean, it seems to me anyway. Maybe it was just like the magic of the cup competition being a kid and obviously seeing the the Gerard um, Gerard goal and the the performance against West Ham in 2006 when I like I was only eight years old at the time so I remember being absolutely buzzing for that and um I think just I mean basically we haven't really done much in it since then we got the final in 2012 I remember I was there for my 14th birthday believe it or not um and I remember being gutted after that but I'm always going to be you know when I'm a kid it's one of those where I almost feel like the FA Cup's become for me what the ideal scenario for all of us watching football is where I'm going to be absolutely buzzing if we win it, but I don't really give that much of a toss if we go out of it at this stage. And I feel like if we could uh, if we could all marry the joy and the highs of football without the lows, I mean, I think that would be perfect. So I'm not quite sure how that chemical balance works in my brain, but I feel like that's where I'm at with it anyway. Um, but when it comes to this kind of stage of the season, and you look at the league table and I don't think we're out of it, as I said earlier, but I do think it will require not a not a miracle, whatever the rung down from a miracle is. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what that is, but it will require that. It would require a collapse from City. It would require us to go on a mad run. Do we have that in us in the last couple of years? I'm not entirely sure we do, although we do go 10 games last season without defeat. I think it wins towards the end of the season, don't we? Um, and if you extend that, extrapolate that into this season, I think it's maybe 12 or 13 wins. So, you know, maybe we do and maybe I'm doing us a disservice. But what I'm saying is if you look at the percentages of us winning the league, it probably is below 10 percent at this stage. If you were to do that mad win predictor they do when the games are at Amazon Prime. But um, I'd say that's where we're at with it. So when you mix it with that idea that the league is so unlikely now, I think you do have to go for these things. And. You know, as you said earlier, it is to do with a draw. Um, Man City, I think the year they won the FA Cup against Watford, um, I think I don't think they played anyone above the top 15 in the. Uh, sorry, um, but, uh, the, all their opponents were below the top 15 in the Premier League, including Watford that season. So there is so much of it that is based around the draw. We've had a nice enough draw. I say nice enough in the League Cup. You know, that Leicester quarterfinal at home, difficult game, but. For a quarterfinal of the domestic cup, you probably take it. Arsenal as well, probably the best of the four teams we could have drawn at the time, with Spurs having a bit of a bounce from Conte. And Cardiff at home to get into the round of 16 of a domestic 
tournament. Um, I mean, that'll do me. And if you're looking at our squad, and I understand we have to rotate, and you can't play the first team every single game. But we don't have a Champions League fixture until the end of February, I think it is. So the next two rounds of the FA Cup are built into the calendar. It's not as if they're shifting Premier League games further down the line and then you're playing three games in six days or whatever it is. That all comes later. The next two rounds of the FA Cup are on a weekend that's built into the English calendar. So there's really no excuse not to be going for it. And if we get ourselves into a position where we're sacrificing um, chances of winning games against Brentford and Crystal Palace just because we wanted to play a stronger team in the FA Cup, well, maybe that comes on to a conversation we had in the pre-pod around whether FSG have done enough and whether we've strengthened enough from a position of par. So I say go for it. Thursday night, I know we're going to come on to uh, talk about it. That would be my priority would be get, to get the strongest possible team out for that one. And then if you have to make one or two changes for Brentford, I personally would, but I'm not sure that's how FSG and Jurgen Klopp see it. Yeah, that's fair. It's always a difficult prediction to make. So if we've talked about, I'd say probably you, Johnny and I's collective worst FA Cup moment. I don't think Andy was born then. In fact, I'm sure he wasn't born then, um, which is like chronically depressing. But what what would be what's your what's your favourite FA Cup moment? Oh fuck! Difficult. Like I mean, probably. Probably the the eighty eight fight or the eighty nine final, sorry, the Merseyside Derby, like um Russia's goals in, in extra time. Obviously the Gerard final was amazing and I was older for that, like and able to drink and out and enjoying that. So that was class. But yeah, as a kid, the um the eighty eight final or the eighty nine final, the eighty eight final was Wimbledon doing us one nil. The eighty nine final, um obviously it's it's after Hillsborough and all, but just as a kid, um, that Kenny team was the first team I fell in love with, like the first team I started supporting as a Liverpool fan. And um, and the FA Cup was massive then, as you said. And as a kid, it was even more massive because, yeah, it was like football on all day and there was never football on in those days. And uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a great game. Well, not a great game, actually, but, you know, seemed like a great game because it went to it went to extra time and you know Rush came back and came off the bench and scored two cracking goals. And uh, Stuart McCall scores two for Stuart him. McCall scores think. twice for them. Right? Yeah. So one's a one's a smasher as well. Yeah, the second one I think is the better one. The first one is just kind of stabbed over the line from a I I think from a corner, like, but I can't quite remember. But it seems to be stabbed over the line and uh, there's players trying to block it and stuff and it, it just doesn't quite happen. Um, but Rush's two goals, I think one of them's a header and one of them is on the turn, um, on the angle in the box. Um, and yeah, obviously back yeah. in those days, they're spraying champagne and drinking champagne after the final whistle. And Rushy's going around with the with the uh, the hat of the cup on his head, and there's all those photos and stuff. So yeah, that, that would probably be it. Like, yeah, we've we've had a lot of we've had a lot of great moments in that competition. Um, even that that Arsenal side in 2001 um, that we had no right to beat, um, and there's no way we should have won that game, and they should have had about six penalties. And, and oh, I, I, I forgot about that. The Michael Owen yeah, final. That was. I know. But we get battered that day as well. Uh, We've no right to win that game of football. No right at all. And Onshaw gets away with a blatant handball on the line. Yeah, I think there's another one as well. There's another handball, I think. Arsenal should have at least two penalties. And and then Owen just comes on and takes the game away in 10 minutes. like. Honestly, um, when he was at his, literally the peak of his powers. Um, Johnny, FA Cup, we'll leave it there for the meantime. Um, the League Cup, as I still like to call it, this used to be our competition. We won it five years in a row at one point. Um, and it's an Arsenal side that are a little bit unpredictable. You know, they can show up against they can show up against City and look look like they can literally for an hour compete at the sharp end of the Premier League and then they fall apart and then they show up against Forest and look like a team that has no idea what they're supposed to be doing. Um, but this, for me, 
it's a competition that has been like devalued beyond the point of it even really having any value. But I think at this stage now, you've got to look at it and think there's value to be had here. There's potentially a catalyst to setting us on a run to the end of the season to remember our cup credentials because the last couple of years, you know, we haven't gone anywhere near as far in the Champions League as we would have hoped. And maybe this is a point that we recognise and remember the ability to to win one-off games and doing it dirty and and making the right decisions in order just to get yourself over the line. Yeah, I think all that's, 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 that's right. And, you know, it's a, it's an it's a very interesting because the opponents. I think one thing I would say about Arsenal is, you know, we've 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 spoken a lot about our Arsenal and Arteta, and this year you can you can definitely see there's progress there. There is a style of play. They are getting more solid, but but one thing that is noticeable with them is certainly defensively they 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 come out and they they seem a lot stronger and a lot more formidable at home. Um, so, you know, the way it's panned out with the postponement and stuff, having to play them in the second leg away now, I think is, 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 is not, it's not optimal, um, for us. So they're, they're, they are a strange team. They were absolutely dire at, at, at Forest. Granted, they've made some changes, but, but they still had plenty of, 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 of quality. Um, and, it really depends, you know. I think it's really hard to predict what's going to happen in that game until you see, you see what the two lineups are, you know. And you made a good point pre pre pod, Dave, um, about you know they've got a big big game with Spurs. They've got a they've got a North London derby coming up at the weekend, and as you rightly said, that's that's got a lot more riding on it than it's done for a while because. They've sort of been not really serious contenders, Arsenal and, and and Spurs either, to be honest, in the last couple of years. And all of a sudden, because of you know, obviously you've got City, Liverpool, Chelsea, but because of United being really, really woeful, United are, are so poor at the minute. Um, both of them, especially you know, Spurs have had a wee bit of a bounce under Conte. They'll really fancy both of those clubs. Will fancy Champions League, which is huge. You know, getting into the Champions League's a, a really big deal for all sorts of reasons, not just money, but draw and bringing in the players you want as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they go about it. I think you know, I, I think Arteta will will probably see it as an opportunity to get a a trophy on the board. Um, Klopp hasn't really shown any desire around the FA Cup or the League Cup prior to this, but uh, it it could be, um, you know, we've been just been saying because of the way the league's gone. So, yeah, and and you're right, Dave. I think, you know, what you said there about momentum, you're you're dead right. I think there comes a time of the season where, if you can get through a couple of these type of games, get the confidence of getting to a cup final, winning a, a trophy, it just gives the team that belief. And you know, we've got we've got Inter Milan coming up. You know, winning winning games and cups can can. As we've seen before with Liverpool, you can suddenly just gain a bit of momentum from nowhere and uh, and really, really push on. And It's going to be tough. I mean, we'd rather for this tie, you know, we'd obviously like to have one of Manny or <laughs> even one of Manny and Salah around, even though they don't really play in the League Cup. It would have been really interesting to see if, if we would have started with them uh, now that we're in a semi-final stage. But I'm, I, I'm, with, uh, I'm with Andy, though. I want to see us... We're, we're close now. The league's pretty remote, in my opinion. Um, I'd like to see us take it serious. I'd, I'd like to see us go strong. Better rotation. We've got Brentford at home on Sunday. They've just been absolutely walloped 4-1 by Southampton tonight. They're really starting to struggle, I think, with the size of their squad and that early momentum they had. So, yeah, I hope we go out and try and get a good lead and something we can take to the Emirates and then get through to the final. Give us a, a wee day out to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Andy, it is Brentford at the weekend. And as, as Johnny says, the, the, the kind of early season form has fallen off a cliff. They get absolutely 
battered tonight by a not very good Southampton side, 4-1. And you would think that this, that weekend game, given the league position, given the fact that we're in this weird quandary that we don't necessarily think we've really ever been in before, where we kind of feel like the league's maybe a bit too far of a stretch, but you'd expect to comfortably finish in the top four positions, if not second, that there can be focus applied elsewhere. Um, so what sort of strength side do you expect to see going into the Arsenal game? Um, I panicked about three minutes before we started recording this podcast because <laughs> like a big check as to who everyone was available. I'm really, I've really no idea. And I'm sure it will have changed over the the course of, I mean, from the last time we got an update, there will be more. It could change um, tomorrow. We just don't know. Yeah. The climate is at the you know, there could, there could be more positive tests. There could be injuries we don't know about. Um, you know, was Jota in the squad or was he one of the false positives? I'm not sure. What about Matip? I, I was trying to work all these things out and. I think we're probably unlucky doing this on the Tuesday night because I think Klopp's doing his press conference tomorrow rather than two days before, like he usually does. Um, probably <laughs> having a big PR exercise as to how to feed the the questions of the the raging gammons who are inevitably going to rock up and accuse, as we said in the pre-pod, a man who's you know a team who's what two postponements out of however many there've been in the English league this season. Um, Manchester United had a game called off with nine false positives, albeit a pre-season game, but it doesn't matter. It shows it can happen. It's not this, you know, all this, all these mad mathematical conditional probability geniuses who have got all the decimal places out in their calculators, um, standard form bloody everywhere. But yeah, I, I mean, to answer your question, I think I, I, I just go as strong as possible. And I think he will do that. I think. On the few occasions we've actually got to the latter stages of a domestic cup under Jurgen, he, he's shown that he does take it more seriously. Um, and I think you see that with the, the changes that are made at halftime against Leicester. And even the fact that, um, you know, we put in a request for our game to be postponed. Now, I'm not sure if there is a necessarily a threshold or a set in stone rule or whether each game is taken on a case by case basis by the EFL, the Premier League, the FA, whoever it may be. It very much seems like it's taken on a case by case basis. But if we really weren't that bothered about it, you know, we'd probably just throw the kids out, giving them that experience and uh, and maybe taking it from there. So I do actually think, contrary to the narrative, he actually is more arsenal the domestic cups than we think. And as for the weekend, I think we'll be fine there. As you say, they've massively fallen off a cliff and they're not the side they were earlier in the season. They're very analytics focused. And when you're very analytics focused yourself, then you make yourself kind of easier to work out and easier to predict, um, I think. And... Yeah, just just another case of a promoted team who have come up and had a bit of a bounce, had all the momentum behind them, and inevitably that does take its toll when Premier League teams are used to playing Europe, negotiating Europe, negotiating cups, negotiating the festive fixtures, etc. Um, so that was always going to happen, I think. The one I'm more worried about is Crystal Palace the week after, uh, potentially without Salah and Mane, albeit uh, Egypt did lose tonight, didn't they? So hopefully we'll have Salah back a game earlier. But that is a game that does massively worry me. Two o'clock on a Sunday, they're a very, very good side. We saw that at Anfield. Um, they will give all of our rivals problems this year. Beat Man City, didn't they? Um, beat Spurs 3-0, I think, although that's no main feat this season. But they're a really good side. And I think that's the one which I'd be more concerned about. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. It's Arsenal away next week. If we can get a good lead up today, then you know maybe we could look at making a couple of changes um, although what scoreline would you have to go to the Emirates with to be able to have the luxury of doing that? It would probably have to be 3 or 4-0, which, you know, we'll see. If past experience against Arsenal and past scorelines are anything to go by, that's more than possible over the last five or six years. But, um, yeah, I, I'm keen to get a good lead up and have a ticket for tomorrow night. Really looking forward to it. Probably would be looking for, to, forward to it more if it was the second leg. But, um, you know, I'd much rather we got, give ourselves the best chance possible of winning it. And um, I think... You know, we're the best team left in the competition. Let's go and win it. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right there. Um, Chief, as you say, as strong as we can, and that's that's great. But there are like at least two and possibly three glaring omissions from the squad that we could potentially have available. Um, and if you want to throw Thiago in there, probably four. So... Let's just concentrate on the front three. What, what do you expect he does there? Um, I'm not sure on Origi's availability. Um, Minamino, 
had COVID. Whether he is back or not, I don't know. I think so, he is because he, yeah, he, he played, played the weekend. Played at the weekend, so oh, he did. So, so yeah. I would let let's just say let's just say it's Jota, Firmino, and Minamino available plus like maybe Gordon Chamberlain um, as options at the front end of the pitch. What way do you expect him to line up? Not necessarily just what is going to be the front three, but the interesting thing is with those three is that they probably all prefer playing through the middle. They're all centre forwards. All the forwards who got left are better through the middle, aren't they? Yeah, you would you would probably say so. Minamino's done well off off the off the left hand side in in the League Cup games to date, but you would say that's probably not where he imagines his best position would be. So no, I mean. You maybe change, maybe he does change it up a bit and um, looks to play maybe two up front uh, or maybe you see an Oxlade Chamberlain dropped in there. It's difficult, um, as you say. You know, Minamino's played off the left a couple of times and done all right. He's used Divock off the left and right on occasions. Um, so I mean, if you're going strongest three, you're probably looking at at Jota, Bobby, and Divock. Some common, you know, uh, those three uh, across across the front in 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 some way. Um, I, I'm not. I don't think we've ever seen that starting lineup. Um, you know that th- those three in the starting lineup together. I, you know, I might be wrong, but it's not something you you know. It's not a certainly a regular front three, but it may be. You know, maybe the needs must. In this situation, because it's not like you mentioned Thiago there is out. Milner's just possibly just coming back. Um, Hendo's been out. Um, looks like he's fit though and, and and ready. But we're not we're not coming down with options in in central midfield either. Obviously, um, sorry, Curtis Jones has also been out this season, and as you know, he's made an appearance there at the weekend against Shrewsbury and, and done all right. But you know he's not he's not um, he's not featured very regularly at all. So it's a tough it's it's anyone's guess really. Um, like I said, strongest three would be Divock, Bobby, and and Jada. Obviously Jada, I think he is fit. I think it was rumored that he was perhaps one of the false positives. Um, Bobby is back. We saw him, and he he was amongst the goals, which was which which was great. Um, outside of that, I don't see why you would shoehorn in an Oxley Chamberlain to play in a false nine when you're coming down with with players who can play in the false nine. It's who plays outside. Do you play Ox wide? He hasn't really shown that he can offer much in one of the more forward positions in the front three, and that's why he's sort of been. Uh, Pushed into that false nine position whenever whenever he's had to be used there, so the options are limited. Like I mean, there's no getting away from it. Mane and Salah are the wide players, and they're not there. Um, so you 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 might look to play Jota off the right, Minamino off the left, Bobby in the middle. If Divox fit, you might play Divock off the left and, and keep Minamino on the bench. Um, but it's got to be it's got to be three from those four, really, doesn't it? Um, because we're not making any sign-ins, certainly not in time. They wouldn't be registered, and we are where we are. Uh, I don't see. Yeah. I don't see Gordon getting a getting a shout. Not after playing at the weekend there. So yeah, I mean, take your pick. Who would you play there? Yeah, I, I don't know, Johnny. I'll throw this to you because it it is a tricky one, and I think with this with the Salamani situation. We're so used to them playing all the time. Um, but I kind of feel like we're in a different situation here where we can we can throw out which three we think would be the preferred. But their minutes are going to have to get managed as well over these next number of games. And you just don't know how long it's going to be for. So that's kind of the, that, that's the tricky one for, for the manager and certainly the, the medical team. Because... The, the fact that they might be back sooner or later, depending on when they exit the competition with their national sides, it makes it more difficult for them to plan 
concretely on what the strategy is going to be. So you would assume that they would have to plan worst case scenario. So, you know, there might be a shout that some of the young kids do maybe even get minutes off the bench here. Yeah, it, it, it is really hard to, it, it's really hard to know what he, what he wants to do and how, how serious he wants to be. Um, I think the one thing I'd be pretty certain on is that we will play a 4-3-3. I think for all the, you know, we, whenever we're in a position where there are absentees, we, 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 we do tend to think, oh, will he, will he shake it up a bit? But it's, to be honest, he's, he seems pretty fixed regardless of the personnel on the, on the 4-3-3, uh, especially for a game like this against, uh, against the likes of Arsenal. So I think given the fact that Bobby hasn't, you know, had been out for a while and had a wee bit of a cameo, I'd expect him to start. Um, I, I'm, I'm expecting if Jot is available, I'm expecting him to start. And then it's really a case of, you know, Take your pick. Could be Origi, could be Ox, could be Taki. Um, but but I think those I think those two will play. And that might feel a wee bit risky. Um not because we're playing a like Brentford aren't, you know, Brentford at home's not exactly it's probably it's probably as good a game as you could probably hope for at the minute without Manny and Salah around. Um but it 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 probably feels like we you you still because of the all the other players missing you'd still want to play um, Firmino and Jota against them in the in the Premier League because otherwise it looks really light behind them so um, yeah it'll be, you, I think we'll learn a lot about Klopp's um, mindset on the competition but if if I was if I was having a guess at it I could see something you know I, I I'm expecting to see Firmino and I'm expecting to see Jota. And I, th- I think probably Minamino, um, and 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 some, you know, whatever way he chooses to to go with that. And it doesn't really feel like it's ideal for Minamino, um, because you know if you're going to play Bobby, you'll want to play him down the middle. But yeah, I, I think we'll we'll see three up front, and that that if I was putting my hat on it, I'd say that's what he'll go with tomorrow night. But uh, yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting. Yeah, it's it's a it's a funny one here, Andy. That this the system is is pretty. We you know it was previously broken around Firmino as as has been talked about, blah blah blah. But what we've found is that the guys that are ever present are, are Manny and Salah, and they can't be replicated in any way, shape, or form. So with Firmino back in doing the very specific Firmino things that he does, um, it's going to have to be, there's going to have to be a serious tactical adjustment, you would think, in what we normally or what Klopp normally asks his players to do, um, which I think would concern me slightly. I'm kind of preparing myself for maybe the first half an hour against Arsenal for us to be fairly kind of you know limp and a little bit a little bit scrappy at the front end until these players start to learn what they're meant to be doing um and start to learn what each other actually do yeah it's a strange one it was interesting the the conversation about the formations there and, and chief said could he go to you up top and and hendo was saying he's, he's going to stick to that four three three i think you can become in danger sometimes of, you know, putting arbitrary numbers on formations, if that makes sense. Like I could see something where, you know, Jota starts out on the right, but his tendencies are very much more central. Whereas Minamino technically is on the left, but he's very much more of a, you know, tucking into midfield and creating some numerical advantages there. Especially if, you know, you think Fabinho and Henderson are, are more or less kneeled on, wouldn't you? Henderson's fine, isn't he? Um, or he could be one of the false positives. We, we still have no information on this, really, don't we? I'm just trying to think. I don't think I've missed any big injury or anything. I think Henderson's still fit. So, you know, the left-hand side of midfield is going to be difficult. Naby Keita does really well in the Leicester League Cup game, but obviously he's away um, at the African Cup of Nations as well. So there's a good chance it could be Curtis Jones comes in there, which I wouldn't be averse to at all. I think he he's shown some promise in the games he's played this season. and his more mature 
level of performance this year has lent its has lent itself to that position and to being that kind of not genie replacement in terms of the style of player, but in terms of like he knows what a seven out of ten game is now, whereas previously I think it was either nine out of ten or three out of ten, and um, which is is massively important to be a Liverpool midfielder, especially in such a consistent side. So if he was to go with a midfield of like Fabinho Henderson Jones, I could see Minamino coming on the left and. You know, as I say, maybe helping the midfield out a little bit more than than Mane would. Mane's sort of a bit of a wider player, would help the fullback out more um, in that sense. And then Firmino's obviously kind of all over the place, so that can give you a bit of a balance there. So I can see a bit of a hybrid formation. I wouldn't be as worried about Sal and Mane being away. Obviously, the quality they we miss is, you know, I'm not going to waste anyone's time by talking about that. We all know it. But in terms of... You know, Klopp's known about this for six months. He's known about this um, from the moment Mane and Salah came in. He's known, especially as they've become as important players as they are. Uh, he's known he's going to have to deal with this problem. And he's had a lot of time to think about it. And, you know, hopefully we do have the first choice back four available. I think Trent's... Um, Trent... Did, did Jurgen say he would only be out for two or three more days um, if things go... Well, so whether he's fit to come back in, I'm not sure if he had symptoms or not. Um, I think that would be great. And I think, like for example, a team of uh, Kelleher or Allison, Trent Robertson, Virgil Canate, um, Fabinho, Henderson, Jones, Minamino, Firmino, and Jota is more than capable of winning that game by two goals and giving us the advantage we'll need going to the Emirates next week. Yeah, that I, you would hope so. Um, and we don't know what sort of what sort of side our head is going to throw out either, which is kind of a strange one. And we've talked about the the kind of jeopardy attached to the game at the weekend again. It's an easy enough team talk for him is the only thing, you know, with everything that's going on. It's an easy enough team talk for him. So I could see them being bang up for it. I'm actually like really looking forward to it. Their fans will be bang up for it now. That'll make our fans up for it as well. And obviously like the um the the, the sort of mini handbags between Klopp and Arteta last time, which sprung Anfield into life. It's got all that narrative behind it. So I think you know, we actually could be in for a really good game. Yeah, these you know these games are great. Um, and like I remember, I remember the isn't it the the semi is it the semi final against City where Bellamy scores. Bellamy scores a couple yeah, in Anfield. Do you know that's brilliant? And for me, this is what football's about. It's about those moments. It's about those experiences, um, those highs that it bring that that brings to your life basically that you don't really get anywhere else and. Um, yeah, you can go and win 10 leagues in a row, but see, after a while, it's great winning a league, but it's the moments that get you there that actually make the difference, and that's why I feel cup competitions are so special, because it's moments and moments and moments and moments the whole way through. So, take just the last one um, before we finish up. The COVID thing's interesting because I think the tie has been shifted a little bit in Arsenal's favour, in my opinion, the way the fixtures have been reversed. So we're home first rather than second this time. Do you think that puts more pressure on this game? Um, no, yes and no. I think it's much of uh, much of a muchness. I think uh, you know it's a two-legged semi. They, you have to play home and away, just win the games and go through. Um, you can make more out of it than you need to, shall we say. Um, to be honest, I know the traditional thinking or, or the perceived wisdom would be that it has shifted the tie sort of in their favour because you want to play, uh, you want to play at home in the second leg gen- generally. Um, but given Arsenal's record at Anfield. I think it's shifted the tie a little bit in our favour because we go out there and beat them 3 0. It's done. And they've come to Anfield, what, a couple of, what, a month ago? What was the score? 4 4 1, was it? Can't quite remember. But, uh, 4 0. You say 4 1 all the time. You give them far, far 4 0. There you go. 4 0. Your of them deserves. So, of course, we have a pretty, you know, close to a full strength side that day. Um, but. You know, it is what it is, as has been said already this in this podcast and, and by us already this season. Arsenal have only won the games you'd sort of expect them to win. Yes, they showed well against City, but ultimately they crumbled. Um, yes, they've, you know, shown up here and there in other games, but 
when when it comes to the crunch, they've been beaten by everyone you'd expect them to lose to, and they've won the games you'd expect them to win. And at the weekend there, they've gone to Nottingham Forest and they've lost the game you'd expect them to win. So I don't think they're sitting there going, "Oh great, we get to go to Anfield first, lads." I think they're going, "Oh fuck." You know, at least we could have been going there with something to hold on to, whereas now they could get blown out of the water in the first leg. I'm not saying that's going to happen, because obviously, as we've referenced the Mane and Salah thing, it's gonna it, it, it's it's gonna blunt us somewhat. But you know, we definitely have the upper hand confidence-wise um, in the mental battle. It's not even a it's not even a question really, and I don't think they're relishing coming to us first now. I think they're going. Ah uh, well, uh, you know they'll be looking at it sort of philosophically as well and saying, you know, we we had to do it either way, but um, you know they're going to be playing catch up now it seems rather than rather than potentially the other way around. Yeah, um, let let's hope that I, I enjoy your optimism always. Um, okay, just to finish this up then, Johnny. Um, Score at Arsenal, or score against Arsenal, and score against Brighton. Brentford. 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 Sorry, um, Brentford. Yes, sorry. Oh, it's so hard to protect the Arsenal sorry, score. Chief, Chief was desperate to correct you after the 4-1 there, wasn't he? Good <laughs> <laughs> win, you fucker, my turn. You. <laughs> um, I, I would... For, it depends on the team. I hope we go strong. I hope we go somewhere. The, the, the team... I think if we go out with a team Andy mentioned there, I could see it being 3-1. You know, I could see us taking a 3-1 advantage. Um, I think Brentford, um, I'd go with 3-0 on Sunday. So I'm hoping to sort of comfortable um, victories. But it will depend. You know, if I've seen the two lineups, <laughs> I'd be a lot more confident giving the prediction for Thursday night. But I'll go with 3-1 and 3-0 for now. Ooh. Yeah, like this. This makes me happy. It's going to send me to bed with a smile on my face. Um, Andy? So is the League Cup semi-finals still this mad thing where away goals only count after extra time? Yeah. Or have I made that up? That's the thing, no, isn't that's it? Right. Yeah. That's mad. Uh, right, okay. Um, I'll go 2-0 instead of 3-1 then. I was sort of thinking between the two. I think we'll win by two goals on Thursday night. I think we'll win 2-0. Um, I think we'll win 2 0 on Sunday as well. Yeah, 2 2 0. So how glorious would that be? Jesus Christ. What the fuck am I on about? It's the Reds. It'll definitely not be that. But yeah, no. let's go with that. 2 2 0. Let's go clean teeth. I love clean teeth. I love clean teeth more than Virgil van Dyke loves clean teeth. Chief, what's your predictions? Andy stole both of mine. So I'm going to change them up and go. Um, <laughs> I go 3 0 and 2 1. This is why you never get a bet up, Chief. Brentford, uh, Brentford will run us close with with the direct style again and whatever like but uh, I think we'll we'll do enough to beat them and Arsenal I just think if we get ahead of steam up at all if we go ahead we, we, we just love the steamroll of them and they love the collapse so yeah and I watched them against Forest and they were absolutely horseshit Dar. They, they, Martinelli's their goal threat isn't he I mean they don't really have goals in them other than that Saka here and there Odegaard's you know, a tidy player, but not full of goals. Lacazette's good for a goal. The way Firmino's good for a goal. And Aubameyang just has not been able to affect the game at all when he's played. Yeah, and he hardly plays, does he? He hardly plays for them anymore. Arteta can't can't wait to get rid of him. And that'll open up all kinds of options with the money that he's on if they do get him off the books. Yeah, but that's for another season. Uh, So on tomorrow, is it tomorrow night? Yeah, tomorrow night, I reckon. Yeah, we'll do them. 3-0. Okay. Brentford? Brentford 2 1. Okay. To us, All right. Yeah. All right. Beer affair. Lovely. All right, lads. Thanks for joining me. We're now. Honestly, Gerard, who liaises Liverpool. And, for, and I, for one, I'm all for it. Um, especially if we like level up with the Champions League instead of a UEFA Cup, I think it was then. And I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of how they fucked up European competition. So until next time, up. The ghost of Gerard Villiers Reds.